Welcome to an all new episode of Colorful Lies presented by State Farm. This season, we've been focusing on all the things that we wish we knew before major life events. So far, we've covered everything from getting into debt to having a baby. Hey! <laughs> In this week's episode, we're going to dig into the things that you should know before starting and managing a business. And all three of us are business owners, and some of us even own more than one business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, I will say, yes, I have a couple of businesses now. You know, since we did the last season, I have launched a new business called Drink Fresh Juice. You yes. did! Yes! That's yes, right. It's did. only been a few months, and we've definitely early on has some growing pains because I think what we envision for that particular business isn't where it is right now. Mm. So, and it's only been a few months. Yeah. So when we first launched, we were like, this is going to be heavy online, hev- heavily subscription-based. People can order these juices a six-pack at a time and get it delivered. What we didn't anticipate was the high delivery costs and then oh, the yeah. margin of error for the distribution place when they send it out and the shipping and just anything that can go wrong when somebody's not home and they don't get the delivery. Oh my God, your juice has been sitting it, out yeah, on yeah, the, yeah. And you know how customers are. So right. As a customer myself. <laughs> so my juice was on the porch right. all day. I know. Oh, so how are, you, how are you rolling with those punches? I feel like being a business owner is like you're always rolling with the punches. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do and what we did was we really had to sit down and regroup and we did bring in an outside person okay. to help us figure out what is it that we need to do differently. So we moved away from we, what we thought would be the core of our business because it is what was making us the most money, which was the person-to-person distribution where it was just online, get your subscription, get your juices delivered that way. And we actually shut down that part of the business for now, okay. which is definitely not what we anticipated doing. So what he told us we should do is concentrate on doing festivals okay, and getting okay. into actual stores and restaurants because it is a larger payout for less work because we don't have the manpower right now mm-hmm. to have a person dealing with each complaint, each, you know, this didn't go right or I wasn't home and then the delivery mm-hmm. didn't get there and then it got sent back. So it's just a lot of different variables when you deal with each person and it's very little cost that you, like, you don't make enough to deal with yeah, one that person at a time. So now we've been working on getting our product into different festivals where you can make, you know, enough in one day that you would make in one month. And that's not something that, I even thought would happen. Because you guys were at Afropunk last year, right? So what we did last year, we hadn't launched yet, but it was, we made some samplings for Afropunk for one particular client. Gotcha. So it was just at their booth. They were giving it away for free. So what I've been doing now is just doing like events and we're in some restaurants and we're in some stores where you can go and buy it, but it's more like a mass purchase than getting it one by one. And then of course I have the juice bar. Yeah. Juices for life. And it's three years. Since that oh, juice bar, that so it's seems three like years you just year. opened that. I know. Yeah, and I will say that business has been running pretty smoothly. Good. You know, we worked That's out great. a lot of the kinks. Fortunately, like you know, I hooked up with Styles P, who already has three other juice bars, so it's pretty smooth. Like he knew how to deal with whatever might come our way. So that's been a lot easier, a lot smoother. The only thing about that is having a brick and mortar location. Yeah. It's always something like I'll be in the middle of doing something and get a text, that, uh, you know, a pipe burst in the basement and there was water gushing everywhere. Oh my gosh. So now I'm like in the middle of working and then I have to get a plumber and then get that done. And then of course, dealing with employees yeah. and making sure that it's a lot of turnover when it comes to that. People are leaving and going to school. People are getting other jobs. People yeah. are coming in late and having to get let go, having to deal with personnel. But that's an ongoing thing. But I will say, as far as the business, like as long as you have good management and a good team of people helping you, that's been easier. That's really good. That's really good. I mean, I think like, you know, 
having the baby has really forced me to look at my business differently. Um, so we launched our membership club, which is a recurring subscription for our audience because it was, you know, Mm -hmm. you really want to make sure that you have that planned residual income coming in each and every month. Like this is what I know we're making. This Mm -hmm. is what we can do with the business because I have a team that I pay. And so like, just because we have an off month, they still have to get paid. They still have bills. And so that was really good. So now that I pay them out of the income coming in from the membership, club so i'm really happy about Mm -hmm. that and i've been looking into another business venture guys so Uh i'm thinking about getting into government contracting what that's a great idea yeah looking at um you know my husband is a videographer and so looking at getting him set up for contracting services for the government um as far as providing videography so hopefully maybe he shoots like an army commercial or something like that that's That's great great. Um, people get like really rich off of that i know i was talking to a woman and she said especially for black women Mm -hmm. um or minority women there are so many set aside's and so forth and under a certain amount, it's easier to qualify for. So like $150,000. She's like, you know, that's a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. for the government. But it's like, you know, $150,000 or $300,000 contract, like, we're doing pretty good. I'm I've been checking into that, too. That's great because I got my WMBE, as you, you know. Did, yes. You did, yeah. You I did. <laughs> yes, it's important to get those certifications because they help you when you're going up for, you know, competitive projects and so forth. I love that you're thinking about it in such a flexible way also, you know, because I think that... um a lot of people who do creative work a lot of times like don't think really broadly about where where are my services needed yeah and so you know something like government contracting it doesn't sound very sexy it's and not- it doesn't you know it's like you're not going to win an oscar off of that but also that's hard work it's good work and your work is seen by literal millions of people and yeah. it's good money so, yeah. it is as the government is friend. the best employer probably I it was is like, everything they're is the biggest, transparent they're the biggest buyer yeah you know this this year has been really interesting for me because I spent most of it finishing a book that will be out in 2020 I'm so excited I'm so like that's so exciting to Y'all, me you don't understand we've been talking about this book for three seasons I know <laughs> but I'm so <laughs> it's still not out it is it's a really long process and I think that you know as somebody who works really online digitally it's taught me so much about putting your head down to do work Mm. because everything that we do is always like you do something and then people see it and you get rewarded for it immediately or or it fails immediately and i just forgot what that was like to be like okay you're this is a three-year process no matter what you put your head down you do the work and then you pass it on to someone and then they were you know they're like doing the editing and the marketing and all of that stuff and it's not even going to be out for another year and so it was really, it really challenged me a lot in the beginning because I'm just not used to working on long-term projects like that. Mm-hmm. But I've really decided that um, I want to focus more on things like that, actually. I like that. Because, you know, also, like, being an author is not, um like, you people don't get into writing books for making money. Like, nobody, nobody no. is getting, nobody is getting rich off of writing books. Let me... A few people. You know, I, like, we had a year to write it. And when we turned it in, I was like, I could have taken another year to do this because it's a lot of work and sometimes it's very emotional work. So, you know, working on a deadline on a project that's personal, usually that's, that's not how you're, you're dealing with it. But I think that the thing that it's made me think about the most is how, oh yeah, the thing that's good about this is that I can always have one project that's in the background and then I can add on whatever else I want to be, to be doing because you know, it's like I run, um, I I run the basically the LLC that is that hosts my podcast with my two friends, Ann Friedman and Gina Delvac, and that business does like really well. I was like, oh yeah, we have, we've um, 
we now have like four or five people that work for us. And that's, that's amazing. When we set out to do that podcast five years ago, I, I never thought that would be possible. And I'm like, we're out here like running payroll. You know, that's just, yeah. I was like, we're paying taxes for people to work for us. And it's really exciting. But it also, you know, like, as you know, there's just that pressure of, oh, we, we have to make enough money to pay everyone now. Yeah. Like, that's just, you know, like, I'm just not responsible for myself. There no, are, yeah. Like, other people's, like, dreams and their, you know, their rent and their whatever, they depend on us for that, so. I've definitely had jobs where my checks would bounce or we would get paid oh, yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in like, the past, and I never want to be that You don't want to be that person. I, yeah, I yeah. never want to be that employer. So it's a good kind of fire to light under you, mm-hmm. but I also think that, for me, I, I'm a reluctant business owner. I, I was doing what I wanted to do. And the next thing you know, there's like checks you need to cash. There's accountants you need to hire. Like it just, it happened accidentally for me. So I think that I'm learning as I'm going. Mm-hmm. But I am also balancing that with the fact that like, I am also a business. And, uh, you know, and it's like, I have like, I have my own personal LLC. That's what I run all of my business through. It's, it's really challenging for me because my brain is so, I'm such a creative person. This whole, the logistics of what it takes to be, you know, to do this sometimes are hard, but I'm really excited about the team that I have. It's like, I like my agents. I like, um, I like my lawyers. I, you know, like I love my accountant. There are so many people who are part of the team now to make me just like to keep the trains running. Yeah. But I think that it's so, you know, even if you're not someone who has like a brick and mortar store or you don't, you know, like there's not a thing that you do, you still do need to think of yourself as a business. Yeah, and, everybody should. Absolutely. And Definitely. it's just, for me, it's like, it's changed. It's changed my my career trajectory. It's changed my motivation for a lot of things. And it, it's also like made me a little bit more ambitious. Like I really want, one of the goals that I gave myself for 2020 is that I want to make something. And I'm like, I want to make something and I want to sell that. And I think that it's probably going to be like in the skincare realm. Oh, And it's, uh, but it's, you know, I'll buy it. it's good to challenge you know yourself. Will. Yeah, we'll buy it. <laughs> Thank you. I'll give it to you. But yeah, I know you will also support. But, you know, I think that for me, I'm just like, I'm trying to find, uh, like, what's something that I care about that I want to try? And uh, what's a skill set that I'm trying to learn? And I think that, like, manufacturing is something I'm curious about. Skincare is something I'm curious about. But also, like, selling something is something that I've eternally been curious about. So yeah. I think... Uh, like, you know, you ladies motivate me a lot to, like, oh, try new things. I think we motivate each other. You Absolutely. Listen, so I got to get my book done. Let's Listen, <laughs> you're like, let's talk about it. <laughs> well, then also in thinking about business, you know, you have to have business insurance. And it's really important. But it actually might be more affordable than most people realize. Mm. And so the right insurance for your needs um, helps protect the business. It's employees, your customers, and your assets. Right. Because like you said, it's not just you now that needs protection. It's everyone who comes in, in contact with your business. But there are also a number of different types of policies available. Most Talk people don't realize us. that. <laughs> yep. So you want to find out which policy fits the size and the scope of your business. Because it's not one size fits all with any type of insurance, but business insurance especially. We so you're saying businesses. that if somebody is just like, you're just like your one woman business and you're like working from home, that there's still some sort of insurance that can work for you? Yeah, absolutely. All different kinds. Yeah, and you have to think about, I know, you know, going into, you know, maternity leave and everything and adding to my family, I had to think about what that looks like and Mm -hmm. what would happen if, like, we experienced a significant loss of income because I didn't bounce back from having the baby as soon as as I planned. And I actually did extend my maternity leave three months. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you have to think about that. You have to think about, you know, what happens if my spouse is injured? What happens if, you know, someone who works for me is injured? Just all those different 
different things are really important. And, you know, you have general liability insurance. You have business owner policies, mm-hmm. professional liability insurance, errors and omissions insurance. I know yeah. this all sounds fun. I know <laughs> I it does. Like errors this, and omissions. this is where my like, eyes start glazing over and I just get <laughs> I know, stressed out. But it's really important. <laughs> it right? is. Yeah. But then there's cyber liability insurance. Like I think oh, that's wow. a millennium thing. That's like a Y2K. So if I lie on the internet, you can sue me? <laughs> Some Somebody might. Especially <laughs> you, Angela. Especially you. Like, they, you get, I mean, yeah. You work on the radio, yeah. so let's, let's <laughs> get into it. My job people. better have that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then if you have employees, you definitely want to look into workers' comp. Oh, yeah, we have workers' comp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All you need is for somebody to say, I slept and fell at work and now I'm going to sue you guys. You have to make mm-hmm. sure that you're covered for that. And then it's on you, yeah. Or so. if somebody really does get injured somehow. I mean, we have blenders, knives yeah anything could happen injuries happen and i think also people always think as as of insurance especially young people they're like oh i don't need that it's like well guess what life happens Mm -hmm. life life will happen you could lose your whole business life will happen to you the right insurance Mm -hmm. and that's the whole point of insurance is that you know they're like fingers crossed nothing happens to you but if something (laughs) does happen then you're already protected because you've been paying into it Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah so i know that yeah (laughs) <laughs> you're like yeah, I know that but we're just gonna keep that story to myself Uh-oh. you're like I don't wanna get sued <laughs> but one thing I've noticed is how becoming a small business owner actually gives you a new perspective on work mm-hmm. as you've said Amina do you think it's important for the relationship between employer and employee to be mutually beneficial mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you can offer employees beyond compensation that will make them feel valued and I definitely try to do that like at the juice bar we had this employee of the month thing oh. so whoever and they get to vote so whoever gets the most oh, votes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so whoever, so you, and you can't vote for yourself, clearly. So they send me their votes. And so I've done things like, you know, took the two people, there was a tie one month and they got to go to the Nets game and be in the suite with me. Oh, nice. Yeah, the Nets game. Or I might do something like there's a store in Brooklyn, Woodstock, where I'll give you a gift card and you get to go and buy like some sneakers and, you know, just things like that. That's so awesome. every month somebody gets something like that. And then also once a year, I like to have a dinner at my house. So everybody gets to come over, relax, listen to music, eat, you know, drink, have a good time and relax. But I think it's important for employees to see that they are valued. Sometimes we get mad when people aren't doing what they're supposed yeah. to do. But when do we say, hey, great job? Hey, yeah. yeah. I'm, I know. Well, I'm coming to work for Angela so I can go. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm that's trying, what, um, only if you get employee of the month. I don't know if you'll get employee of the month. I will be employee of the month. I'll vote for you. I know people will vote for you guys. I'll be like, Amina, Amina. I'll vote for you. Dial me in. You know, it's funny when... I, I have a really hard time thinking of myself as a boss because I even the people who uh, the the staff that we have on Call Your Girlfriend I always say they work with us yeah they, I use the word with us. too yeah they do and um, because for me a lot of that is just semantics I really nothing makes me angrier than when you're at some sort of networking event and somebody's like oh here's someone who works for me. I'm like, what are you, like, what, what are you trying to flex, right? It's like, if the point is that we're all a team, mm-hmm. then um, people work right. with each other. And I, you know, and managing people also is like very delicate. It's actually a skill set and it's a skill set that a lot of people are not trained for. I was like, you, like people go to school for managing. And I know that for me, when I worked at a tech startup, I really struggled with managing people because I was like, this is not my calling in life. One, two, I like to manage projects. I don't like to manage people. Mm. And also when you're managing people, you have to do your job on top of it, right? Mm. It's like you're everybody's coach. You're holding their hand, but you also have your own stuff to do. Right. And the thing that I works really well for me is that I just, 
I like to really over communicate with people that I work with about what their goals are mm-hmm. because I don't assume that whatever it is that we're doing, that's what they want to do in life. life. Like this you might know? just be how you're getting And so I think a lot about anybody who works with me. I was like, this is a stepping stone for the next thing that you're going to yeah. do. So how do I empower you enough mm-hmm. that when you are ready to go, one, you can feel free to do that, but also too, like, how do we help you do that? Right. Every job should be an opportunity to learn. And so for me, it's like, it's really important to, you know, I will always introduce people that work with me to other people that they want to know in other industries. I'm like, if it's within my power to make introductions to you and set you up on coffee dates and, you know, like intro meetings, I will always do that. Um, on, in my check-ins, I always ask them, like, what is it? Like, what do you want to do? I know that your goal is not to forever be, uh, you know, like the second producer on a podcast. Like clearly there are other things that you want to do. Like, what are we going to learn about that? And also, you know, I think that being generous is really, really, really important. Like, I love what you were saying about, you know, like having people over to your house for dinner, having, um, taking people to games, because I think that especially for millennials, part of our damage with work is that we don't feel that we're valued at work. Right. And so, and I know that a lot of people want to make fun of that. They're just like, Oh, like why do, why do you care so much? I'm like, we care because that's what they told us the workplace would be like. But also if you're going to spend all of your time somewhere, I'm like, it doesn't matter what you do. People want to feel that they bring something because it allows you to be your full self at work. I agree. And And people also work harder and better when they feel like they're part of this. When they're valued. Well, I know that. I love my assistant, and I hear you on, like, helping people move to the next level, but you're mm-hmm. stuck with me if you're watching this. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. <laughs> I love my assistant, and it took me five other assistants to find her. Right. But what's great about her is, like, she calls herself a sanity support specialist, and she specializes <laughs> in helping business owners maintain their sanity. But I do make sure that I take care of them. We did a business retreat. We do um, a team retreat every year. So we went to Atlanta, and we all got a house, and we just hold up in the house. And just um, it was like self-care, also business planning, and so, so forth. So we do that every year. But it is just doing nice things. Just mm-hmm. like, hey, I saw that you moved into a new place. Here goes a gift card, you know, to furnish something in your place. Yeah. Or like, you know, here's something or take this off or I know that a lot of times with my team they don't have paid vacation so it's like if I can give you a bonus before you go on vacation that way you can you know use the money and so forth and now we have you know Karis's nanny who like also I want to make sure she's happy because she's watching our child you absolutely (laughs) yeah you don't want her to be the happiest (laughs) so you know making sure that she's happy and um comfortable and I just you know make sure that I extend you know opportunities to her and introduce her to other people and bring her along she's here with us in New York and this is her first time coming to New York mm-hmm. so you know just just always looking listening I think listening is one of those yeah. big things that I've learned as a business owner listening to your team like they don't just listen to you you right. listen to yeah. them and you have to give credit I think mm-hmm. that um if you are a good leader you know that you can only do the work that you do because there are so many people who support you. Mm-hmm. And there's not, for me, I, you know, I always notice that people who just, they take credit and they never credit their teams. I'm like, actually, the people who work with you are instrumental to anybody standing any, like, if you have an opportunity to be an outward, an outward facing leader, it's because there's so many people behind you. That's like, that I am you. a mess on my own. I would tell you, <laughs> I am definitely a mess on my own. Like some days I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some help. But even like my makeup artist, she's here with me today and she does my makeup at work for revolt. You know, we're on in revolt every morning. And I always make sure like whenever there's an opportunity for her to do something else or somebody's like, I need a makeup artist. Yeah. I always refer her because she does great work. I know she's professional because as an employee, you also have a responsibility too, mm-hmm. right? To make sure that you're professional, you're on time so that people will want to say very true and I, I can co-sign that person that person is great at what they do yeah and so I think that's 
that's important too, like to make sure that you, you can't just expect somebody to do things for you and reward you when you're not really going and doing your responsibilities. And that is so sometimes true. Sometimes beyond yeah. that. That is so true. Be the person they talk about. We're talking a lot about starting and managing a business in this week's episode, and we do hope that sharing our perspective helps. But of course, this podcast is not the only resource. There are nearly 19,000 State Farm agents across the United States, and they're waiting to help protect what's important to you and guide you through major life milestones. For this week's Ask an Agent segment, we reached out to Zanetta Harris-Glover. She has an office in Newark, New Jersey, and we got some practical advice that you'll want to consider before going into business. Ladies, I'm sad that our season is coming to a close, but I am excited that we're talking about starting a business this week. I have definitely learned a lot as a business owner over the years. Here are some of the things I wish I figured out sooner. Manage your cash flow. Most small businesses fail for a number of reasons, but the most common is running out of money. You should know where every dollar is coming from and going, so establish a budget, stick to it, and review it on a regular basis. With a new business, you're going to be hit with expenses from every direction. Accounting software can help you remain organized, track your spending, making it easier when tax season comes around. As your business grows, the accounting will become more difficult. When that happens, you might want to consider working with a full-time accountant. In the early stages, limit fixed expenses. Allocating most of your capital to growth is critical to your business longevity. Keep money reserves in a savings account as an emergency fund. Pay yourself. Don't overcompensate in the beginning, but make sure you pay yourself enough money to live comfortably, eliminating that personal financial stress that will allow you to stay focused on building your business. Create financial goals. Make sure they are reachable, measurable. Monthly, weekly, and daily revenue goals will help you stay on track. This will help you identify when adjustments need to be made for reaching your goals. For more financial tips on operating and sustaining a small business, talk to your local State Farm agent or visit us at statefarm.com. Okay, guys. So for the second half of the show, we have Amina Daniels joining Yay! us. Yes. Great Amina name. is the visionary <laughs> behind the Live Cycle Delight and LCD Hot in Detroit. Thanks for joining us, Amina. Yes, thank you, Amina. Thank you for having me. I love your name, Amina. Um, <laughs> me too, faithful. <laughs> when people look at you now, they see a mogul who's putting, uh, who's really putting it on for her hometown. But every business that's big or small starts with a dream. Can you tell us about your own journey from dreaming um, to being a doer and how you found your passion? Yeah, well, it started from leaving New York, which was very hard. It's still hard to come back and not live in the city. So it's really about trade-offs, which is really entrepreneurship. And really entrepreneurship from the startup is um, what can you let go of or what sacrifices are you willing to make for the name of your business? So I packed up my car. I left a whole bunch of clothes. I'm like, what happened to that dress? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> left it when I moved away. Um, and I knew that Detroit had an opportunity to be healthier, um, especially being a black city and um, within the black community, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes. Those are all 
the leading three causes of death. And they're all preventable with diet and exercise. Um, so I wanted to move back home and be a catalyst of change. And I also had lived in Atlanta and in New York, obviously. And you see when gentrification happens, mm-hmm. what's the disconnect within the community? So I really wanted to be that catalyst of change and almost like a partner uniting both sides, um, the neighborhood that has been there and obviously the neighborhood that is coming. So I moved home in 2013. Um, I was started working at a gym just to kind of get a better understanding, which was even taking a complete step back um, after having a career and a job and a salary and doing all these things in New York and then coming back home and working at a gym. But mm-hmm. I really wanted to understand the marketplace and I wanted to know what Detroit needed and also what they wanted. Um, two months into moving back home, I got hit by a car wow. while on my bike, just biking through Midtown. Um, like I biked in New York all the time. Um, but that was like my, you are no longer in New York wake up call. Yeah. Um, so I spent the next two and a half years in and out of surgery, physical therapy, oh, wow. but it was really great because I could cycle. That was the one thing that I could do. I could always cycle. Uh, And then I was able to connect with general population who did not exercise, who were not active since the age of 18. Um, in 2014, I enrolled in Tech Town's retail boot camp. Um, and then the following year, I entered the Hatch Detroit competition. I won $50,000 to help open my brick and mortar location. I thought, wow, um, it's going to be so easy. Now I can find <laughs> a place. I can get a loan. This would be great. It was actually the complete opposite. Yeah. I looked at 92 properties. Oh my gosh. Because nobody's counting. Nobody. 92. 92 properties. That was 91 no's. Um, A lot of different no's. One landlord told me that I needed to pay the entire rent for the year up front. When somebody says no, it just means not with you or not Mm -hmm. right now. Um, There was one woman, she was a black woman. She wanted me to invest $200,000 into her property and then make it a revolving space for other pop-up businesses. Why would you do that? That's not how that works. Because it was for her. (laughs) That's crazy. Okay. Wow. That's bold. But all of this, you're... For that, you could have bought your own space. Right? You, I just, I love this because your passion is what is fueling you. You turn your passion into action. And during this time, I was trying to figure out what I could do. So I was popping up around the city. I was leading bike rides outdoors um, and just still looking and, you know, not becoming discouraged. And finally, I was Motor City matched in 2016, um, which was great. It was another grant process. And I found a lower level space, um, which in Detroit was like unheard of. People are like, you can't be successful. Nobody lives there. What are you going to do? It's been great. We revitalized a neighborhood corridor. Um, We hired teens from the community. So that's great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I like to say they're the back 
backbone of our business. Uh, and we expanded to a second location last year yeah. in 2018. Look so that's you. amazing. That's so good. Good. It's a labor yeah. of love. I always <laughs> love the idea of not expanding too fast sometimes too, because sometimes people get something, it's working and then they're like, okay, we're going to open five more locations. And I'm very into like, okay, let's get the growth, but let's do it in a yeah. timely manner. But do you feel like people are always asking that, like, what's next? And I think we have a responsibility not to do that to business owners. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people will be at their first grand opening they're like, okay, so what's next? It's like... I just uh, asked them, I'm like, what's next for you? Remaining like, here? What are you doing? Yeah, so, yeah, but it, it is important to let people just grow yeah. at their pace sometimes. Yeah. And it's also important to understand what your vision is yeah. and not the vision of the developer. So it's yeah. like, I'm attractive to a developer, but it's like, you're not paying me to open up a business. I'm paying you to make it more desirable for your customers. But that doesn't work for my bottom line. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to learn what does growth look like for you? I mean, we absolutely want to grow, but do we really need to grow in Detroit or do we need to grow to other emerging markets? And then it's like, before you grow to emerging markets, I want to connect with more women of color because that Mm -hmm. continues to be the disconnect. Unfortunately, that's not my my primary customer. So it's like, how can I reach African-American women sooner? Um, So we can have more opportunities and access to fitness. So it's not such of a bad relationship when we're in our thirties and forties because it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever done a spin class? Yes. Oh my God. It's it's painful. Like the next day. But what I like about it is you can go at your own pace. (laughs) The next day though, I would. I could have sit down for like two days. But you know, I run and everything. So doing the spin class, it's a different type of workout for me. But I also appreciate that people aren't like staring at you, watching what you're doing. Everybody's minding their business, and you can go at your own pace. So you don't have to like go as hard as everybody else does. If you're just beginning, you go at your whatever you can do. I think we just have to go mm -hmm. to Detroit to do the. I think so. I think so. I think we do. Well, here's what I want to ask you. I think that this conversation about growth and all this stuff you know sometimes it's so easy to just daydream like if you sit and you're like you know tell me what it is that you want you can I'm like I can vision board that for days and days and days but nobody really talks about the accountability piece right and so I'm just like wondering how you stay motivated to be accountable and how do you make goals and how do you keep to those goals Well, I always want to learn more. Um, So whether it's more fitness certifications, I have all the TRX certifications. I have four cycle certifications. I have my 200 yoga hours. I want my 300, but it just becomes time. Um, I should be going to Dartmouth this fall um, on a building a high performance business. So I'm always, thank you, looking for more opportunities because I don't have a boss, um, but I do have a network of bosses so we kind of connect with others Um, but when I'm pouring into young people I always tell them you need to max out at your job because you want to be a boss for yourself but you're never going to be able to work for yourself if you don't know that you have to improve and there's always more to give um so i always push myself to more mm-hmm. do you journal or write any of that down i do journal i don't journal as much as i used to mm-hmm. it's more note taking mm-hmm. it's just copious amounts of notes i was yeah. listening to you guys talk about your team 
team and I'm building a team. And then again, I'll have good team players and then they go off to college. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you work That's with teams. teams. Oh, yeah. my God. We're even. You're just making but you're amazing college students. Yeah. 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 You're building the next generation. Yeah. Uh, people and who maybe are they'll be graduate dealers. and they'll come back or they'll help you open up your next location in another emerging market. I get the other ones in a gap year and they'll be great. <laughs> They're like, okay, Amina, you know, I'm going to grad school. So I tried to identify the other ambitious people and lean on the ambitious people. Um, But I'm just really driven. And there's so many black women. I mean, I'm sitting at a table with black women that are killing it. So there's always more to give. And then, you know, in the society where Instagram is right there Mm -hmm. and Instagram looks perfect um, and everybody has these curated lives, I always tell um, people that I'm not the glamorous It's very rare that you'll see me in makeup. I'm always running from a class to a class. It is very real. Um, But it's good to look at those people, not at what they're doing, but the hard work that is behind that. Yeah, I mean, Um, nobody puts their business plan on Instagram, right? It's like you just see... You see the mirage, but you don't see you don't see the work that goes into it. You don't see that like, you know, like even hearing you talk about your business, I'm sure that it is meticulously planned and nothing is nothing is, you know, it's nothing is a coincidence or an accident. And so how do you how do you convey that to other people? Right. That you're you're out here like you are grinding hard. So you don't have time to be (laughs) to be taking like makeup, you know, like makeup (laughs) selfies all day. Um, Sometimes it's it's just nose. I get a lot. I always say no. So again, when you're going back to just choices or the overall, um, how do you stay focused on on track? It's mm-hmm. like, what are you trying to do? So when I go back to, I'm trying to make communities better and I'm trying to create more pathways for African and women, African American women to be healthy, regardless of the roadblocks. So it's like, what else can I do? What else can I do? Yeah. What else can I do? Um, so, yeah. You know what I do appreciate? You talking about how you worked at a gym. Because sometimes people want to start a business, but they haven't built up the foundation of knowledge mm-hmm. that they need to know to build a business. No and that does take patience and sometimes taking a step back yeah. in what you were doing prior Humbling to yourself. that. Humbling yourself to go work someplace mm-hmm. so that you can learn the ins and outs of something so that when you're ready to start your own, you have that basic foundation. Because some people don't do that. I worked at a gym. I worked at a yoga studio. I worked at a Pilates studio. I worked at a bar studio studio um and now all of, yeah <laughs> and now at like at 30 so you know and listening to people and really learning the systems um and even traveling everywhere i travel i like to go to the studios that are supposed to have the best instructors i want to see the communities um and i want to see the instructors mm-hmm. so you know some classes are really great branded experiences in new york um um, but there's no connection mm-hmm. with the instructor in the community. Right. Um, so it's good where you can travel and see what you can take um, and see, you know, what works 
Wait, I'm excited yeah. for my class. Yeah, me too. What's your pitch strategy, though? Like, when you're talking about your... Like, I'm, I'm thinking about the people who are at home who are like, okay, I've never pitched someone before. I don't know how to talk about my business. How do you do that in a way where you are conveying your ideas, but also you're speaking about a business that, you know, like, money is about to exchange hands? Um, say it with conviction. I was telling people for three years that I was opening a psycho studio. People were like, girl, you crazy. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm opening a psycho studio. And, you know, a lot of people um, get really defensive when people are like, girl, you can't do that. Da, 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 da. I would listen to the nose. Oh, and yeah. so mm. I would use, how can I make this more digestible? Mm -hmm. So by the time I'm ready to pitch, everybody had already told me I, I can't do this. Mm. So I had already created more pathways. And what was really hard for people to understand is that how are you going to get people to unite and sweat? They were like, people are just going to ride on a bike in a dark room listening to music. And I'm like, absolutely. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, and people from all different backgrounds are going to realize that they're more alike than they are different. Yeah, and absolutely. in the current times, Everybody in my studio really kind of leans in. Girls that have landed in Detroit have friends, they have clients, um, they have sitters. Um, there's just so many things. So going back, staying concise, not being um, in your nerves. And, and practicing a lot. Like practice. It, sound, it sounds to me that you were pitching people before you had a pitch to make. I was pitching to my banker friends that are all about facts. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. And they're like, not enough facts. And I'm like, that is the most important that's thing. That's to have really your good. research. Practice, yeah. practice. That's what people care the most about when you're making a pitch, the numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, what mm -hmm. does it come down to? How is this, this going to make some money? And I would say listening to yourself. Mm. I recorded myself and I was like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. And I also, <laughs> I also do that with teaching because you're like, oh, I said that five times. Right. I need, yeah, more, need to be more mindful mm, next time. Yeah. Less jargon, more concise. And then whatever it is, if it's five minutes, be five minutes. Don't try to be the 10 minute, keep it concise right. with the facts. Yeah. I, mean, I just really appreciate so many things that you said because, you know, the subtext of all of this is that sometimes people say no to us and doors close and opportunities close but it doesn't mean that that's the end of the idea that you have and so I'm just really going to take that with me about channeling passion but also matching it with action all the time and staying true to your own convictions and so this is actually a perfect segue into today's money meditation mm -hmm. it's that time again y'all uh you know, and today we just really want to think about all the ways that saying no can actually be a good thing. And I just, you know, I am making space to really receive this. So I, you know, I, I want all of us to be in that mindset. So, you know, let's think about this. Have you ever had a door close in your professional life? A job that didn't work out, that led to something amazing down the road? Yeah. The truth is, some of the opportunities that look the best on paper aren't all they're cracked up to be. And hindsight is always twenty twenty. Looking back, what's something that didn't work out the way you thought, but wound up leading to something even better? 
I like. I would love to hear from all of you. I'll start. I guess we can go this way. Yeah. Um, it was a job. I wanted the job. I was like down for the third interview to get hired, and I didn't end up getting hired for that job. But if I would have gotten hired, I probably would not have gone as hard with my fab finance, and probably wouldn't be working for myself today. Wow. So it was not getting a job that I thought I wanted. Uh, for myself, it was being at a job that. They didn't treat me very well there, and they didn't understand my value at the time. And so I was there for six years. And at one point, I was just like, I've hit a plateau. This isn't working out for me. I went to them and had conversations. Didn't go the way that I anticipated. So I ended up uh, quitting to go somewhere else. And it actually ended up being a scary thing for me, but actually uh, being an uh, incredible uh, way for me to advance my career. Wow. For me, it was, I really wanted to go to law school after I graduated college and it was during the recession and I just couldn't afford it. There was no, I had to go to work and I had to support my family. And I remember just being really upset at the time because I was like, this is going to derail my life in every way, shape or form. And it was such a lesson that like, you know, life just happens. Sometimes there's no money. It's nobody's fault. And I really like that was a huge fork in the road for me. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, I work for myself and I'm a resilient person in the workplace because I didn't let that be a defining thing that I couldn't do. Yeah. Well, I think I touched on this a little bit, but I would say um, downtown Detroit or Opportunity Detroit not giving me an opportunity was a much better opportunity. Mm -hmm. I landed up in a neighborhood and I have the best community um, and I'm able to do more with teens. So it's good. All right. I love that. We do want to hear what you came up with. So let us know your response to this week's money meditation by posting on social media. You know what I have. Hashtag is hashtag live colorful with two L's at the end of colorful. That's the words live colorful with a double L at the end. Y'all, is this really the end? No. Yes. No, yes. (laughs) Y'all, every time we get together, it just feels like time just, it just flies by. It's so amazing to see all of the likes, the retweets, the five-star ratings. Thank you. Yes, that's why we came back again. Even the SoundCloud comments, the (laughs) Apple Podcast reviews all season long have just like, that has really carried us. So thank you so much to everyone at home who's listening. And we just want to thank you for all of the support because we feel it. Um, so whether you're a day one listener or you're just tuning in, we really, 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 really appreciate you. Yes. And we hope that you think back to some of the advice that you've heard from the season next time you're getting ready for your next major milestone mm-hmm. in life. And above all, don't forget to live colorful. Colorful Lives presented by State Farm is a loudspeaker studio production in association with the marketing arm. Our producer is Matt Raz. Our executive producers are Chris Morrow and Matt Raz. Colorful Lives was recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Our audio engineers are Emily Duff and Rich Cerbini. Our show is mixed, mastered, and edited by Dwayne Crawford. Our video switcher is Jack Dixon. Camera operators are Benson Vincent and Christopher Sonny Martinez. Our production assistants are Otto Oli and Timar France. Don't forget, if you're only listening to the podcast, there's even more to see on State Farm's YouTube channel. Log on to experience Colorful Lives in a whole new way.